The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show. And I want to take a little time at the top of the program to welcome our listeners that have been with us since the beginning and those of you who are newer to the show. The growth we sustain thanks to the appearances of Lady Vi and Alexandra Snow have been beyond anything I could have imagined. It is truly a labor of love for me. So please know that the commercials you hear are actually gifts to the people that have helped me along the way. You can support this program by telling a friend, writing a review on Apple Podcasts, posting about it on social media, and if you absolutely need to do something financially, you can go to my Amazon wish list. It's on Linktree. No obligation. I'm hoping to expand the reach of this podcast by going to some conferences later this year. So if you know a way to help there by bringing me in as a presenter for classes, such as The Kindness of Kink, Improv for Kinksters, How to Grow Your Fetish Network, and all sorts of hosting opportunities for panel discussions, I would love to hear from you. Our email is womenandotherwonderfulhumans at gmail.com. That's women and other wonderful humans at gmail.com. I would really love to hear from you. Now to this week's show, where we go across the pond to meet a lovely lady who has seen it all in over 34 years of being in the scene, back when you had to know where to find it. Miss Kim Rubb is a professional and lifestyle dominatrix, mistress, and Dom living and working in her own play space in the Shoreditch-Hoxton neighborhood of London. As an events producer, educator, professional dominatrix, and a powerful woman with ageless charm, she has seen the world of fetish grow from the days when the scene was underground and well before the internet, to the present where she uses the power of the virtual world to educate as well as be the amazing rubber dom with the ability to tap into the psyche and clients with the sessions of their dreams in person. And she notes that her sessions are never rushed because she will chat before so that she understands her client and afterwards have a nice cup of tea with you. 
So put your tea in and let it steep as we go deep into the mind of Miss Kim on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever donned rubber and your feelings putting it on. Okay, so it was probably about 32 years ago, because I know that when I joined the fetish scene 34 years ago, I had no money. So the idea of buying something in latex was like beyond. So I borrowed an outfit and it was a Murray and Verne zip up dress. And I can't really remember anything about it, the color or anything, but it was probably black. Everything was black then. That many years ago, everything was black. Um, yeah, and it, and it was probably just a little bit on the small side for me, and that gave me some rubber burns on my um, on my bottom. <laughs> but yeah, I I um I loved it, um, but it was a long time ago. It wasn't like, yeah, I wore it for the first time last year. No, thirty two years ago. <laughs> this one may go back a little further. First Ooh. time you realized you were kinky? Uh, 34 years ago. That was the very first time I ever went to a fetish club because prior to that, prior to going to my very first fetish club, I'd never heard of it because it was in the, the days of pre-internet um, and mobile phones. And I, it wasn't in the Encyclopedia Britannica. I hadn't heard of it. I kind of vaguely heard of, you know, the um, the Vivian Westwood movement, the bondage trousers and the, the punk era and, and all of those kind of dipping their toes into the fetish scene. But, um, yeah, no, I, I didn't really know about it. And, and I got asked by a San Franciscan um transvestite dominatrix called Mistress Kay if I would like to go with her to a party in London when she was visiting and I went what sort of party and she went oh just a little S&M party and it was like oh god what's that <laughs> <laughs> first time you ever walked into your own dungeon and your feelings of opening it okay so there's actually two of these situations because 20, yeah, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I opened a dungeon uh, with the direct purposes of renting it out by the hour or by the day, because at that stage, I was a fetish club promoter and I wasn't a mistress. So as I had dungeon furniture and lots and lots of other paraphernalia, because I was in the scene, I thought, why not? put it in a room rather than a storage unit and then rent it out. But I was actually just a bit before my time and it just didn't work. You know, that many years ago, doms weren't on the internet. They all had their own place and there wasn't that many girls wanting a side hustle, AKA renting, wanting to rent a dungeon, but it was fabulous. And I was really pleased with it. It just, it just, I was just, I just was a little bit ahead of my time. I mean, in London now, there are quite a few dungeons that you can rent by the hour. And really that's the norm. And a mistress with their own dungeon is not the norm. Uh, however, I do have one. So when I started my own dungeon for me 
as a professional dominatrix five years ago, coming up for five years ago. Um, yeah, I was I was really pleased with what I'd, I'd achieved because it, it had to be in my own home because there was no way I was going to leave the house. That was a given. Um, so I had to be in my own home and I had to convert a large bedroom into um into my dungeon and I also it also had to be my bedroom so it was a you know a transformer one of those cars that turns into a robot well my bedroom was a bit like that you know it was a it was a bedroom that turned into a dungeon and then you went and it was back into a bedroom Uh, but I do have curtains on every wall and a super king size bed with loads of stuff underneath it and anchor points in the ceiling which I'd always had there so it wasn't so difficult to do it but recently uh last May um I took the space downstairs from where I live um as the man downstairs unfortunately died of Covid Mm. um and he was a music producer and had a recording studio down there, which is now my studio. So it's no longer in my bedroom. I have my bedroom all to myself. And uh, my, so I suppose I've had three dungeons then, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. So, so that was a long answer to that, sorry. <laughs> As an event producer, first time you stood out in the middle of the room after everyone had left and the feelings inside you for accomplishing it. There's, there's nothing like being an event promoter because you, you, you facilitated so many people to have a good time, you know, and there's nothing like partying. I know it's very euphoric to be in a, in a dungeon BDSM session, but when you facilitated that many people, and it was hundreds, um, uh, to, to have a great night out, and that's what memories are made of, then it just feels great, you know, and there's, Whilst I'm still working, there is a point in the night where you switch off the got to check the door, got to check the bar, got to check, 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 check. There's a point in the night where you just go, give me a drink <laughs> and you have a good time. So you kind of do join in with people. And, and, and you know, years and years ago when I used to um, be a club promoter, there was always an after party to look forward to. So that was like uh, the icing on the cake was like, you've done such a good job. Everybody's had a good time. They all want to go somewhere else. And uh, do you want to come Kim? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the party carried on, but I'd, 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 I'd made sure they had a good time. Yeah, it was great. First time you realized that your Dom side was your authentic self. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I think being on the fetish scene for the last 34 years, um, it it started as I was a fetishist. So I went to parties, not only because I liked a night out and and music and dancing and and all the things that goes with the night out, but because I loved the clothes, the leather, the PVC, the lingerie, the uniforms, the shiny, the high heels, the boots the stockings that you know the course it's all of that I loved all of that and over the years it's progressed it's gone from fetishist to um having an interest in BDSM so I don't really know when it changed I've been running a mistressworkshop.com um for <laughs> uh 10 years this year 
So it must have started before that. So um, it, 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 there was no light bulb moment where you think, this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I certainly, um, it certainly was, um, I think when I started the mistress workshop and had my very, I mean, I remember my very first workshop vividly and at the end of it, just going, wow, I love this. Oh God, I know so much, you know? So it was, uh, yeah, probably then really, because then I was still a club promoter and I didn't see myself being a professional dominatrix because I was still very much a club promoter. And that was the idea of myself. Um, so that's all been a, it's been a journey. It's been a 34-year-old journey. <laughs> and when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we'll talk about that 34-year journey with Miss Kim when we return. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. When Corey and I first started this and we were talking to girls in strip clubs and stuff, trying to get them to come model for us, they looked at us like we were crazy. You do what? You want me to do what? And now it's just like, Oh yeah, it's that bondage thing, it's cool. It really was not cool when I started this job. And I'm glad that it is now. And hopefully I've had some sort of positive influence on the world, I don't know. I just take smutty pictures of girls tied up and post them on the internet. Get to meet the man behind the camera for so many superheroine fantasies and other amazing bondage pictures. It's the legendary Jim Weathers of Bondage Cafe in our very first two-part interview, February 8th and 11th, on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want. P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the show, joined by Miss Kim from London. I am so much an Anglophile and love 
nearly everything British, from listening to BBC Radio 1 to being an avid viewer of 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. Uh, I love so many things that are British. What is it about the British lifestyle that makes it so accepting to the fetish world? I don't know. I think the cold has a lot to do with it. <laughs> That's strange, but true. Um, I think it's because, you know, we have to create our own heat here, <laughs> whether that's um, fueling our own passions, whether they be BDSM or uh, anything kinky um, or warming the bottom up in its, you know, actually doing that. Um I do think the colder parts of the world are kinkier. Canada, Germany, you know, as you go around, the Spanish not so hot, they've got their own heat, and the Italians, you know, um, I think Florida, the fetish factory people in Florida, they've carved out their own, we're gonna do it here, <laughs> because they've been promoters as long as I have. Um, but, but I think the cold has a lot to do with it. And also, you know, our history of um, punishing people. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't know. I think we're, we're quite eccentric as a nation. And, uh, you know, with some of the best, most, most quirky designers, fashion designers in the world are British. So I think we've, we've got um, a good grounding in being nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you began your career as an event promoter and that entails an awful lot not just hey let's open up the door and bring in a bunch of folks what was it that drew you to that particular side of wanting to get into the industry well it kind of um it was kind of already plotted for me, I think. I went to university and I became the ENTS officer, the entertainment officer, the social secretary. So that was something I did at university, organised bands, organised comedy shows, hypnotist shows, picnics in the park, that sort of thing. So it was already so I was also the editor of a magazine at university called Succession. Um, so kind of Oh, I also studied PR marketing, conference and exhibition management and public relations. Well, yeah, maybe that uh, that helped as well. So and, and plus the fact, you know, when I when I found the fetish scene, um, I was girl about town. I met everybody. I was like so excited by the whole thing. And back then you had to talk to people. <laughs> you couldn't find them on social media. Mm -hmm. You could only find them right in front of you. Um, so I was just girl about town and knew everybody and just it was just a natural progression, I think, um, based on the fact that I'd studied it and done it and and was gregarious. <laughs> Plus, we're talking about a time where BDSM or fetish wasn't at the top of everyone's mind. As you mentioned, no Internet, no social media, no mobile phones. You only knew if you knew. So how did people take it when you told them kind of what you were doing? Well, I kind of gauged it on a few little tastes. You know, I'd kind of say, yeah, I go to dress up clubs or maybe I said, oh, yes, spanking bottoms and see what reaction I got from that. But mainly, you, you, you know, you kept it to yourself until mm -hmm. you got to know somebody really well because it was not known about and you would be judged. But it was absolutely extraordinarily exciting 
going under cloak and dagger to a backstreet, you know, club that everybody wore a great big overcoat and, you know, you just didn't tell anybody. And it was, you know, there was nobody there with a camera phone. There was nobody there, you know, secretly recording it or anything because there was no such thing as those back in those days. So you did feel like you were part of a very, very, very special secret society of people who were perverts. And that was the best thing in the world. Describe the vibe in one of those parties, because now you would expect everything from pony play to lots of latex or lots of spandex or lots of leather. But I'm trying to imagine what it was, because that was those were the days when I was just out of college and would have loved to have gone to a place like this. But I knew nothing about it. What was the vibe for the people who got to go? Well, it was quite naughty because obviously if nobody's recording you, then you've only got somebody's mind that you're recorded in. Um, so lots of people got down and dirty, you know, with lots of different aspects of BDSM play. They tended to be more on the fetishistic BDSM route than the um, swinging, shagging mm -hmm. um, activities because obviously there were places that you could go to do that or just stay at home and do it why would you want to go to a, a club that you could only do bdsm games that had a dungeon that had some equipment that you could play on and not actually just indulge in that which of course people less and less people had their own play space they might have a few whips but they wouldn't have any pieces of equipment so it was just kind of like just felt really really special and it just um it was just naughty and yeah, everybody had another name back then as well, just because you didn't want to, anybody to find out what you were doing. So people had lots of different names and yeah, it was just a very, very special. I know it's it's like you talk about these things, you know, the good old days. They kind of were in a lot of ways. However, you know, it's great now that you don't have to leave the house. If you want to see something kinky, you just get your computer out type on your keyboard and you've got it all there we had to go out and look for it <laughs> it was like a treasure map <laughs> there was only a few places that it was and you had to go looking you talked about putting on that first outfit and going to a fetish party what was it that attracted you to the vibe um I think when the very first time I went, nothing was attracting me to it. I was being taken by somebody that I liked and was daring enough to do it. Um, what I remember from the night, first and foremost, was the visual splendor of absolutely everybody being in something fetishistic. And bearing in mind that all of the clubs since then and probably before then have a dress code. We don't have flaky dress codes in the UK you wear fetish gear and then you can come in so that was uh, visually it was like I, I've always loved clothes always and that was just like an extension of clothing that was fantastical um, but also that everybody was so friendly um, without me feeling like I was being preyed upon because when you're a newbie and you know nothing about something the last thing you want is somebody trying to latch themselves onto you to manipulate you in one way or another. And I, I didn't feel that at all. I just felt very welcomed and 
that it was very normal <laughs> in an abnormal kind of way. I just, yeah, I just felt very welcomed and excited about going again. I knew that. I knew I wanted to go again. Yeah, and I did. <laughs> you talked about the good old days and you talked about the fact that you didn't have to worry about being prey and all the predators. My gosh, how things have changed now. Where if you were a woman and you show yourself as a kinky person on social media, you are immediately attacked by every predator and every guy who just wants wants to get off. I guess you should say. I should say. How do, have you been able to deal with that particular part of the evolution? Have you developed a thick skin about it? Or have you just evolved with the times to be able to deal with it? Um, well, I'm not submissive. So that, that's kind of really helps. <laughs> but I've noticed that a lot of doms get it too, because every guy who yeah. says, I have no limits, beat me. Yes, right. Yeah. We know about the no limits part. Um, I just, I just think uh, you just have to have um, a strong mindset you know, my reputation has gone before me. I'm a no, don't mess with me. I'm absolutely, really, absolutely lovely, but don't take my kindness for weakness, literally. Um, I don't know. I think I think you teach people how to treat you. I think that's one of the things that you do in life. And you don't give people an inch because they'll take a fucking mile. And, you know, you do, if somebody says anything remotely, excuse me, you need to excuse them off in the opposite direction you just need to be very confident about what you do and what you don't want I mean I teach a mistress workshop and one of the one of the things I let say to the ladies is don't forget it's not about what you do want sometimes it's about what you don't want and be very clear what you don't want yes so I don't know I I, I do feel for I think I think it's the internet generation that feel like, well, I'm not stood in front of you so I can say what I like, what are you going to do? You know, whereas back in the day, um, the predators didn't know where they could possibly go. Whereas a predator now knows where they can go. All of the millions of endless places that they can go to be the predatory self that they are. Whereas uh, back in the day, fetishists went to fetish clubs, not predators went to prey on people. <laughs> You talked about the fact that you are a no-nonsense, don't-mess-with-you kind of person that is lovely and kind. <laughs> I, in especially in talking with some of the dominatrixes, dominatrices, I've never known the plural of that. Yeah, actually, I actually saw a movie today where <laughs> one of the, the bit of dialogue was, what's the plural of dominatrix? <laughs> uh, but, Girl gang. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we, but I have talked to so many and they all talk about the fact that they have to portray this powerful image, but if they weren't kind, they couldn't do this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I teach a, a mistress workshop. So, you know, um, I teach ladies that they can be however they want to be, you know, but I think it's a given that you are caring. You have a duty of care to somebody that you're playing with, to their mind, body, and soul. Because sometimes what we do touches their soul in some way, shape, or form. Pain sometimes goes to that place. You know, love. Love sometimes goes to that place. Um, 
and we have a duty of care to to think about what we're doing uh, so and i'm big on health and safety my workshop where there's a big section of health and safety they wouldn't get out the door unless i told them that because i do think uh, you know you have to think about what you're doing yeah that is something that brits have down as health and safety you do not hear that in the states in in almost everything in in great britain health and safety i mean i watch doctor who episodes health and safety it's something that you all seem to have a wonderful handle on yeah yeah well we don't have the suing kind of system and so <laughs> you know um to make people be really careful about what they do uh, so we have to impose it uh, ourselves yeah that's not not such a bad thing no i i it's very important to me health and safety very you talk about your mistress workshop tell me a little bit about how that came to be and the things uh, give me kind of an elevator speech about what your mistress (laughs) workshop is all about okay so i so i don't know I, i don't know why i started it i think i mean i don't i don't um I think I could see the end of Club Rub coming. So at that stage, Club Rub would have been probably 15 years old. And, you know, it wasn't hurtling towards me, the end. But um, I could see the end coming and knew that one day I would stop. At that stage, I hadn't thought, oh, I'll be a pro-dom. Literally, uh, five months before the end of Club Rub, I went, oh, I'm going to be a pro-dom. <laughs> but prior to that, I think uh, I think it was just the fact that I had a lot of knowledge and it just seemed the most obvious thing to do. So I did it. I think also I'd started a latex workshop um with somebody else which I've since gone on to run on my own um so I think it was kind of like I was in that kind of workshop kind of mentality and the knowledge that I had it just seemed like a natural progression I think really it was an overwhelming desire to show the doms of the world you know (laughs) which I can now because I do do my mistress workshop online which is great. The pandemic's worked out for me beautifully because had had there not been one, I don't know if I'd have gone online necessarily. Mm. I do like the environment of being in a room full of women or just with one, you know, for a one-to-one more in depth. But um, but yeah, I like that dynamic of all the girls together having fun, giggling about it. (laughs) Give me a story of someone who you know has transformed through your mistress's workshop and has come back to you and said you held the key thank you for unlocking the door do you know i don't know if i I mean one of the things that i promised to do in my mistress workshops is to never say who's been to my mistress workshops i actively encourage ladies to to um be more considered about how they put their name out in the world and to say, I've just learnt, <laughs> probably isn't the route to go. And I think it's up to them to tell their story. Who wouldn't mind me telling them? I don't know if I can think of anybody off the top of my head that's really waving my flag and going, I learned at Miss Kim's Wistress Workshop. So I, I'd actually prefer not to mention anyone in particular. I'd like to mention them all, but I think it's their story. 
where they where they picked up their skills and learned their craft rather than me outing them. <laughs> Let me turn this around because I don't mean to out anybody. But what was the effect on you when they told you the story that they had gotten so much out of it? Well, don't forget that I see them all on Twitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there isn't a day goes past when I don't see my girls on Twitter. Um, actually, there is one. There is one that I consider my daughter. So I met her when she was 18. She came to a latex workshop and um, she and her and I have been inseparable ever since. It was almost like the day I she came to the latex workshop, I birthed her. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's um a pro dom she's her name's mistress Ser severin and she is one of the and she is one of the flag flying for me but because I, I suppose she would she was my assistant at my mistress workshop i don't know how many times i'm very proud of her i mean she's such an amazing young woman who not only is a pro dom now but has been a well still is a performance artist so mm -hmm. she she regularly performs at the Torture Garden and all over the world when there's not a pandemic. Um, so she's she's a very special girl and his beautiful is stunningly um, creative and uh, is a great dancer and a great performer. And yeah, I don't think I could possibly say enough good things about her. I have seen her work uh, on social media and have seen some of the things she's done. So by you saying that name, I instantly knew who ah. you were talking about. Oh, that is fantastic. I'm thrilled by that because she's my girl. <laughs> you had me at latex workshop. Tell me what a latex <laughs> workshop's all about. Okay. So I, 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 I'm not a rubber designer and I, I'm, not a, I'm not a creator of rubber things, but I do know how to work with sheet rubber. I do know what the processes are, the equipment that you use, the thinners and the glues that you use on them. I know how to do basic construction. I can teach the way around the problem of pattern cutting because of course, pattern cutting is like architecture, the architecture of the body, which you cannot learn in an afternoon. <laughs> I mean, pattern cutters are skilled, skilled people and uh, they would have to go to university to do that. But you can take apart an, an old garment and remake it again in brand new latex in a different color with uh, some stripes on it, with some bows on it, with da da da. So, and of course, lots and lots of things are accessories a collar with a collar with a bow on, some braces, uh, you call them suspenders, suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> we called suspenders garters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's all very confusing. But you can make lots of little small items in latex. So I teach people the basics of um, latex construction without teaching them the intricacies of garment making, you yeah? I think that my dom would love to take that workshop because that's exactly what she is. That's exactly what she's into is the, the little things that she can do with it. So that's, that's and, pretty and cool. The, the, yeah. It's such a shame. I can't do that online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, that's, that would yeah. be kind of a difficult that one to, to try very, to pull that one off. Very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. But um, yeah, latex accessories, you can change an, a whole outfit. Uh, just a plain black rubber cat suit to a nurse's one to a military one just with the addition of some accessories 
you know, I would say get your basic outfits, you know, in your basic colors and then just accessorize, accessorize, <laughs> accessorize. <laughs> what is your favorite outfit? Okay, so probably my queen of clubs outfit that was made by Breathless Latex. Um, who are probably one of the only UK designers now that do made to measure. And they've got a shop beyond the British Library that you can go in and have a pattern made to your size. So it's great for the ladies that aren't a stock size 10, 12, 14, uh, whatever, the, whatever they are in mm -hmm. the popular ones in, in, in America. But, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's a play on not the fact that I think I'm a queen, but which, I, which of course I am. <laughs> but it's a it's a play on the queen of clubs having been a club promoter which is now my 26th year or 27th year mm -hmm. anyway a long time so it's it's got like a little boller it's a long dress with a little bolero short jacket uh, with a playing card on the back which is the queen of clubs and i've got a white hood with black clubs on it like the card clubs um and uh, I've got lots of crowns, <laughs> but I just bought a crown at Christmas. So um, there we go. Can there you go. It's a Christmas <laughs> crown. Yes. <laughs> in, Another... in vegan leather. That's beautiful. <laughs> yes. I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned Club Rub, because I know a little bit about the history of it. I know a little bit about the Queen Bee Society as well. Tell me a little bit about those functions and events, which obviously during the pandemic, you can't really do things like that. But tell me the fun of putting those together. Okay, so um, what came before Rubber uh, Club Rub was the Rubber Nipple Club, uh, which was a fetish club that I ran for two years. And I was in a partnership with that and got out of that partnership and then started my own club called club rub um immediately so went one month and then the next month into my own club uh ran club rub for 20 years uh so that's 22 years of every single month never missing a month 264 consecutive monthly events wow yes holla <laughs> that's what i'm probably most proud of because that is hard to keep up. It really is. And Club Rub uh, had a theme each month, so that made it quite different from the rest. You know, it was always a fetish club, but if you've got a rubber pirate outfit, it's pirate theme, you know, that kind of thing, you know, um, although there's a lot of leather around pirates, isn't there? Um, so that was Club Rub, and I closed it down five years ago um, on its 20th birthday um, to a big fanfare, and everybody came, and it was the most amazing night ever. Um, and everybody went, don't close it down. I went, too late. <laughs> um, and since then, I've got involved in the uh, femdom uh, world in London, as I'm now a professional dominatrix. And there, there aren't events specifically to bring the girls together um so i decided to host a free let's all meet for a drink in this bar queen bee society drinks because we're all queen bees and wouldn't it be nice if we did some networking and all got together and met up with each other obviously it's been a bit sparse 
in the last couple of years. But the last one I did, I did in my new studio. Um, so I bought a fold up table. I got myself a maid. I bought uh, cakes and sandwiches and I had a Queen Bee Society festive high tea. So um, yeah, it was Christmas and I just thought, yeah, let's do this. So I, uh, you know, I, I invited lots of ladies. In the end, uh, eight came, um, four dropped out, five dropped out due to COVID. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great day. I had lots of games for them and, and little gift packs and, it was it was it was fun nice and and i i'm i'm so keen to do it again so it it worked perfectly for me i loved it i was exhausted by the end of it of course my kitchen's at the top floor and the uh playroom studio's down at the bottom and it was like my maid said oh my god so many stairs i'm exhausted so yeah but that's the queen bee society drinks it's about bringing girls together really it seems with you to be all about connection. And when we return on what women and other wonderful humans want, we'll talk more about what connection and its role in kink is, as well as talk about the transition to being a pro-dominatrix with Miss Kim when we return on what women and other wonderful humans want. This is Alicia Zadig author of the new book, Yes Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find poly and people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search... My name, Milf's Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, MilfsMakingMoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please... Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, 
help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back as it's an international edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want as Miss Kim is joining us from wonderful London, England. How are things in London these days? Because I know that in these times of of COVID that it hasn't been exactly the easiest thing to live in England. No, or or the rest of the world probably. Um, London's quiet at the moment and cold. But, you know, it's England. We're always cold, aren't we? <laughs> and that's why you love to warm people up. And when that's the perfect transition to talk a little bit about you as a pro-dominatrix. Connection is the key to it's as Lady Vi called it a couple of weeks ago on the show, the secret sauce when it comes to the connection between a dom and a sub. Talk to me about the role of connection in your work. Yeah, I I totally agree with that statement. You know, I I don't see clients as in and out. Um, I always offer a nice cup of tea and a chat after a session. Always. Um, I want to connect with my clients. I don't want to see them as just, um, you know, a financial transaction. Uh, It's important to me that we build a relationship. Once relationships are, are made then a session can only get better really that's the way I see things but connections have been something that's it's um been my whole raison d'etre it's why I've done things to make connections you wouldn't ever want I mean I live on my own so I live in isolation but I wouldn't ever want to be uh, a hermit (laughs) Mm -hmm. living on my own and not talking to other people I do like that connection in the club promoting, in the mistress workshops, in the connection with 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 my clients, and in the connection with other mistresses in the Queen Bee Society. So it's all about connections with me, I think. When you are able to do in-person sessions, do you have some favorite things that you enjoy doing? Um, yeah, I like rubber play, but that won't come as a surprise, will it? because I still do run a rubber only club. It's twice a year. It's called rubber-cult.com. And you have to wear rubber to come in. So it is the most fetish club ever because you can't get away with it. You just can't. You have to wear rubber and full rubber. You know, you can't wear like a fabric skirt and a rubber top. It's It's the real deal. So other than the rubber play, which I really enjoy, um, I like um, predicament bondage. Love that. <laughs> I love nipple play. Love that. I love hoods. Um, I like mummification. I, I mean, it's probably easiest to say what I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when gentlemen don't know what an enema is. Mm-hmm. So that would stop me from wanting to play that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not big on big lots of spit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can see the route it's going down with me, can't we? Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more the non-smelly, gloopy things. Understood. Well, of course, <laughs> with the beauty of rubber and the beautiful, uh, <laughs> the beautiful outfits you can have, of course, beauty is number one. 
rubber play because I just got my first latex cat suit about two months ago and haven't had much of a chance to enjoy it and, and all that comes with it. But I know that rubber play becomes an all-encompassing, all-engrossing type of play. I've seen some of the heavy rubber things that have been done in the, in the I think of uh, Anna Rose here in the United States, who used to be over in, in Europe, and, and some of the uh, other mistresses. I think of uh, Miranda Monroe over there in, uh, in England yeah. as well. Yeah. And just the sheer amazing surrounding of rubber would yeah. be mind-blowing to me. Miranda is another level. <laughs> and I'm not on that level. I have only been doing it five years, but I have, you know, I have a decent amount of stuff. Um, I mean, how much stuff do you need? Uh, but I don't really have personal items. I say personal items. I don't have rubber dresses in every size for gentlemen. I don't have, um, I have a couple of cat suits, um, but I don't, again, stock all of that sort of thing. You need your own personal items if you want to be a rubber doll to be quite honest with you. I have more like 16 rubber hoods, two straight jackets, numerous sheets and sheets and sheets and body bags, inflatable body bags, um, uh, sleep sacks, uh, you know, just toe socks. I mean, you know, you, uh, lots of things. But Is it all about the compression and the tightness when it comes to rubber? necessarily there is a large bondage element to it there is a, a visual element there is a, a sensation element to it um and sometimes it can be just one thing with somebody and sometimes it can be um all of it you know there are people who like to dress up as a rubber doll and be objectified so it, it's it's never one thing or all things and it could just be one teeny tiny little thing <laughs> just like a well-placed rubber glove somewhere localized <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy the feeling of giving back to your community yeah. and during the break we talked about something that you were doing because you mentioned as a woman of a certain age you have what you need and now it's time for you to be able to give back Tell me about the ways that you like to do that. Well, apart from the Queen Bee Society drinks, which takes effort and time and that I do for nothing, I also have just started an OnlyFans.com forward slash mistress workshop page for the ladies only. Gentlemen, do not even think about it. It's for ladies and it's, and it's tips and tricks and motivation and... Um, you know, it's, 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 it's everything really, you know, there's some, you know, there's tips for how to do your only fans. There's tips for modeling. It's not just BDSM practices. It's a bit of everything. It's whatever I wake up and go, right, what should I do today? So I could just be like looking around the room and something catches my eye and I go, Oh, I know what I'm going to do. It could be a philosopher's, you know, um, Seneca or, you know, it could just be absolutely anything. But it's just something that maybe will trigger something in somebody to go, do you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do this today. Or do you know what? I'm going to sort out my finances. I'm going to get my accounts done or, or anything really. So it's just a kind of free daily 
motivationally informational kind of thing that's free for ladies. When you talk about the kink world and especially the life of a dominatrix, through our modern digital media, it can be such a difficult thing because you and I and all of our community and um, I would say a, a pretty big amount of people understand what kink is about and what BDSM is about. But those who don't understand it are just genuinely scared of it in many cases. And it's hard to be, an, at least in the United States, I know, it is hard to be an out dominatrix. Is it the same way like that over in Europe and in England in particular? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you talk to some people and they'd say it's incredibly hard and you talk to others and they'd say it's easy. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily the right person to ask. I've been so involved in the London UK fetish scene for so long. I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know what it's like to live in the real world. Mm, fair <laughs> because enough. everything that I do is so I mean my parents know, my brother and my sister know, um and I would have no problem telling somebody in the street, preferably not outside my house. That's probably just too much information <laughs> to somebody that you might not know who they are. Um but um I don't find any problem with it. You'd probably have to ask other people how they find um, people's views on it. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I preach to the perverted. <laughs> <laughs> so normal people, really, I don't know. Who are they? <laughs> As you have said, you're a woman of a certain age, and I'm happy to say you're right about my age. So I feel this kindred spirit with you. As you look back on your life in the world of kink, are there two or three milestones that you just look back and go, these are things that I am so glad I experienced? Yeah. And I, I and um, well, I'm so thrilled I experienced the fetish scene. Had it not been for Mistress K, a San Francisco transvestite dominatrix, I wouldn't be here. So we have her to thank for that. Um, I, my entire fetish career has been archived in the Bishopsgate Institute, which is a, a library and archive of some notable standing in uh, the city of London. Um, so, I, f I feel amazed that I am now, I'm in a library. <laughs> I'm history, <laughs> archived forever. Cause this is an establishment that will never get closed down. So in 500 years time, somebody might pop into the library and go, did there used to be fetish clubs back in the turn of the century? And they'll go, yes, we have an archive. Here's Miss Kim's history. And I was the very first person that they archived. So I'm, I'm thrilled that that's happened. I can die now. Also, it's like, you know, and when I do die, all of that stuff that would have gone in a skip, it's in a library. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm thrilled with that that's happened to me, you know, and my tenacity means that I 
stick at things, which gives me a tremendous history. Um, you know, 22 years a club promoter, well, 26, if you still count, I'm still going. Um, this is my 10th year as a mistress workshop. You know, who knows what age I'll be when I stop being a professional dominatrix. Hopefully I'll just die on the job. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what is in your future? Uh, to always work. I mm -hmm. love it. it. My work is the fetish scene. Um, so, and it's something I'm passionate about and um, never stop learning something new about, which fills me with joy. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be the oldest. I hate to say swinger. I'm going to be the whole, you've heard that saying? The mm -hmm. oldest swinger in town? Yeah, well, the oldest fetishist in town, the oldest mistress in town. Yeah, I hope I do die on the job. Mm. Be a lovely way to go. Wouldn't it? Would you please uh, tell us all the ways we can find you? I know that you have uh, many, many links to go to, but uh, what are the best ones if people want to connect with you and learn more about you? There is a one-stop shop link. Linktree. And you must have heard of Linktree. Linktree forward slash Miss Kim Rob. So just find Linktree, add the forward slash and Miss Kim Rob, and then you'll find well, I, I have about four or five websites. And then my social media is over 160K. So I have a lot of social media platforms. So, yeah. And yeah. That's phenomenal. <laughs> maybe, maybe a few people in the UK will discover our little show. Well, they will, because as soon as I, you make it public, then I go and drop this delightful podcast on all of my social media. So there you go. You picked the right person here, didn't you? <laughs> Indeed we did. And it has been an absolute pleasure visiting with you on uh, this weekend, because this is uh, the by recording it on the weekend, it was the one way we could get our time differences to work properly yeah. with each other. Difficult, eh? Yes. Well, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I have enjoyed your quirky questions and not the run of the mill. And it's a nice change. <laughs> quirky questions. I love it. And I do ask those kind of questions because each time we get to know more about our guests than even they imagined. Our amazing run of guests continues with a first here on the show next week as we go to the other side of the camera to talk shop, or should we say cafe, with a head chef of one of the world's great fetish sites and a man that has created many a superheroine fantasy in my life since I first read one of his short stories about a certain census suit and enjoyed his partnership with a man known for his scans in the early days of the internet. It's Jim Weathers of The Bondage Cafe, producer of the O-Girl series and many others. And we had such an amazing conversation with nearly three hours of material that we'll be presenting our first ever two-part show next Tuesday and Friday. You don't want to miss this one. And that will do it for this week. I'm John, proudly known as Hi There Catsuit. I thank you for joining us on the program today. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always.
What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.